Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Don't say that the Twins can't field, because oh boy. they did Here it is. pull off a triple play. That's pretty wild. And there was, wasn't there like a catcher interference? What there was a catcher like interference. A wild interference. It's, the thing about the triple play is that obviously Sano wasn't involved. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was, it was so bizarre. <laughs> Let's, I mean, this, so this triple play, so reasons why it's rare. Number one, it's rare that there's no outs. And that sure. there are, and that there are, there have to be two base runners. Yeah, there have to be two base runners, right? And that, or or I guess three, two or more base runners, and that the defense is good enough that they would have two base runners on and be able to deal with yep. it. It's just like a rare thing. Yeah, I mean, how dumb do you feel though if you're the one who hit into a triple play? Well, it's Edwin Encarnacion, which of, which I of course wanted to mention, which you love, but yeah. <laughs> it's it was more it's more stunning because it was two walks <laughs> in a row. It's like Martin Perez just had nothing issues. That's a shot. That was a little shot in the arm, but I mean, he didn't really do that well. No, no, they won the game, but like yeah. not because of him, <laughs> not because of Martin Perez. Very importantly. Westworld 3, a trailer that makes sense. We actually are seeing Westworld in the sense that we are seeing characters that we know. Now, yeah. I felt like we saw way more than one season's worth of footage, so it feels like this is just going to be a whiplash season. Well, we also well, we just went through um, Game of Thrones, which was sure. like very abbreviated, right? So maybe they can do it all. That first season was wild. Um, so maybe they they're able. To, yeah, we saw a lot. Yeah, but we're gonna be back in the park. Or we're gonna be out of the park. We're gonna be in some some form of the park, right? Was that is that was that? Do you think that was a part of the park that we've already seen? Potentially. And the thing is, I just you don't trust anything that has to do with this show in terms of not doing multiple timelines. Well, um, yes, there will be multiple timelines. I mean, anything could be at any time in this show. We have no idea. Do we need some European sport? We do need some European sport because this is the most famous Welshman right now, I think, right? right. He has to have the Here title of most famous Welshman. Mm-hmm. And also probably Welshman with the worst hair. Well, soccer hair is like a different, it's a different category. This is like, he, did he like, he was so jealous of Zlatan Ibrahimovic's hair that he was like, I'm getting that. I, I guess so. I, I I guess so, and I'm gonna do a really bad job at it. Uh, you know, I just typed in famous Welshman, Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta Jones. Are we? I guess Anthony Hopkins has to be number one right now. Yeah, he really is. Okay. I haven't all looked right. into Since, this at all because he appeared in Westworld. I'll give you that. <laughs> like, and we just talked about Westworld. Yeah, whether that made it to the pod or not. Yeah, well, yes, now we it has to. But yes, well. go ahead. 
I, you know, Gareth Bale, I, I, it's hilarious. The Frenchman and the Welshman fighting in Spain. <laughs> in, in Spain, yeah, for a Spanish team in the Spanish capital. So presumably he's, well, he is leaving. I mean, he's leaving Real Madrid. Nobody knows where he's gonna end up. Uh, Real Madrid is gonna eat like a hundred million dollars <laughs> on this or something to get him out of there. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, imagine the kind of fu move that would be by by Spain to just be like, we're gonna pay a hundred percent of the transfer fee. We are going to pay half of your salary, and we are going to relegate you to a place where. No one cares. So, yeah. China, America, which one do you want? Neither of them speak well. This is going to be a great, a great FU time. Excited to see where he lands here. All right. This week on the pod, we are going back to capitching. We're going to talk about the capitchers that Eric identified a couple weeks ago, how we did with them in our projections, and then we'll talk a little bit about where we think we fell short in our model and look at how we can try and do a better job of predicting pitchers in advance. So here we go. So when Eric talked about this before pitchers, you identified them via a linear regression to ERA versus Ks per total batters faced. Yes. The idea just being is that we would use ERA as a proxy for general value and the idea of the pitcher question is are can we find guys that get a lot of k's at a lower value than what you'd expect or said a different way guys that amass k's at a higher era rate than other players the problem or feature with our predictions is that we stole the IPs. We stole IPs, so not TBFs. We stole IP. Yeah. So we don't have TBFs. So we are we we have a little bit weaker lever arm, I think, because total batters faced spreads out pitcher quality a little bit better than innings pitched. We want to do the predictions using IPs because aggregating aggregating was going to be a better way than looking at, I mean, predicting total batters faced is going to be such a wild number. Well, we, we looked at normalizing by total batters faced and then we just could not get any sort of traction on predictions. No. no. And then as soon as it's IP, it was, yeah. Yeah. Narrated. It was like, should we bake in, should we bake in a ton of extra scatter to the IP versus total batters faced relation? <laughs> The problem is, the problem is we're sort of paying for it now. But because this linear regression of ERA versus K's per innings pitched has a lot of scatter, not as good a relationship. So your idea was to use the linear regression to identify guys that were one sigma away from the mean. Yep. If I tried to do that naively, we end up with a massive number of pitchers, basically by definition, right? Because we've more or less than identified 20, 16% as capitchers right. because it's 16% that have, that have, that are more than one standard deviation positive. Yeah. And remember this is, so this is you identifying these from our preseason predictions. Yes. Yes. Excellent clarification. We are building on the work that we did last week where we, where we looked at how our preseason predictions were doing. So if you didn't listen to that, Go check that out. 
But because this was so noisy, I went a little fancy and did a Monte Carlo test, mostly because I also had to get some Monte Carlo in there. And I made a probability distribution for each pitcher and so that you could figure out what the what percentage of their game essentially is capitcher. Like in what percentage of these randomly realized mm-hmm. seasons do they become a capitcher? And then we can look at the guys that were basically positive are going to become capitchers. That is the guys that had 95 percentile confidence or if we wanted to be really strict on it, strict about it, 99th percentile. Okay. I kind of like this 99th percentile list. I sent it to you. Yes. The thing that I like about it is that I think it's actually a list you could draft. Right. And you've tried, well, you have to pick. You could draft from this list, right? You you have Max Scherzer, Chris Sale listed right there, one, two, and it would be hard to get both. Okay. But you're right. You could draft from this list. Josh Hader, one of our favorites, Brad Hand, Robbie Ray, Edwin Diaz, Craig Kimbrell, Jose Leclerc, Brad Peacock. Tansis, David Robertson, Knievel, I'll just keep going. Corey Knievel, Araldis Chapman, Kirby Yates, a lot of closers here. Brad Keller. Like that one. Andrew Miller, Matt Barnes, Drew Steckenrider, Irvin Santana, Jaime Barria, uh, Adam Adovino, Ryan Baruki. I don't even know. Who is that? Yeah. How about Kevin that, McCarthy. Right? Tyler Glass now, Stephen Wright, Neil Ramirez, Shane Carl, Tanner Scott, and Michael Feliz. Okay. For the most part, I look at this list and think that we were basically just extremely safe. <laughs> oh, in our predictions, yeah. With the guys that that we would call pitchers. It's only when you get to that 95th to 99th percentile that I think you actually start to identify some of the diamonds in the rough, but you have a lot of rough <laughs> and not that many diamonds. I mean, you have guys that we've guys that we've talked about and guys that transitioned into closer jobs. Like I'm looking at uh, Renes Elias, the Seattle closer, right? Who like basically transitioned into that job, but you might not have thought that early on. Adavino, who's someone who has a ton of value. Yeah, absolutely right. When he's playing. <laughs> There's a lot of junk on here, so you wouldn't want to draft from this list to make a capitcher team. Well, so we could do this next year. I mean, put a note here. We should do this for next season and say sure. these are the guys that we think are going to be capitchers. And um, if you wanted to have a, a strategy of, of going for capitchers, which would be especially if you're going to have if you're going to actually be glo- um, drafting closers heavily, you could have a win strikeouts and K's strategy. Sure. I mean, we, you sort of were trying to push me to that this year on my own anyway. (laughs) Yeah. In one, in one of our leagues. And I mean, it kind of worked, right? I mean, I ended up with, with Liam Hendricks, who we'll talk about in just a second as just, you know, he is, he's now basically the definition of a good pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. So who, okay. Who is the, uh, Tyler Glass now being, I feel like, is one of the ones that stuck out to me in your 95 percentile that was like, this is who we want to be able to identify. But you're right. This is right next to guys who we don't want to draft. I know. That's that's the big problem. Now, let's transition to the other thing that Absolutely. I actually that I worked on here as well. And then we can try and identify some of the shortcomings that come out of this, which was 
you identified the actual guys that are capitchers yep. from early on, earlier on in the year. And so working from that list, we can look at, we can uh, basically retrofit our projections and try and figure out how close our projections were for those guys. And that's really where you start to see that, that glass now has, has value. Yes. Last week, we introduced this idea where, because we have errors in our projections, that we can figure out how many sigma off we were on an individual player. That right. is a rough measure of how wrong we were on their, st- on their stats. So I pulled those down for each one of the pitchers and asked, okay, well, how close are, were we actually on their strikeouts? And we did pretty well, actually. You know, if you look at the chunk of guys that we were off by less than one sigma, it's a it's a pretty good list. It's a pre- yeah, it's a pretty big list where you have, yep, Jake Odorizzi just on the uh, positive one sigma, <laughs> um, just outside of that, and on the other side, Tyler Clipper. You had we we were thinking he was going to get more yeah. strikeouts pretty sad i if i went back and hand adjusted these i should not have put tyler clippard that high (laughs) (laughs) i know we need to yeah we need to do a little bit more of that at the end but we did pretty well but i like steve steven strasberg and trevor bauer both at at 0.005 and 0.03 respectively that's that's pretty good i mean that that means our projections at least to this point in the season the on-pace numbers numbers. were nailing it and I think that these are these could get even better, could get even more in line as you know some of the some performances get washed out over the end of the summer. We didn't have time to get into it, but there was news of a Dark Crystal sequel from Comic Con last weekend, and we had a couple thoughts about it. It is a scary movie. As a child, this movie terrified me to no end. And just even watching the trailer, I started like I was having a a visceral reaction, like, "Oh my god, why are you why are you doing this? This is disturbing." Me. Maybe we also needed to get to the like uh, this Jordan Peele horror elevated horror cycle before people wanted to bring Dark Crystal back. <laughs> so Garrett Cole is a four point three two sigma off. <sighs> Yeah. Um and he's not even the highest. That's wild. I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, yeah, but but the the two higher make a lot of sense, right? The two higher are Matt Boyd and Mike Clevenger who are both having you know what what statistically are totally outlier seasons. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have I liked Matt Boyd last year, but liked him not loved him the way that people are loving him this year for what he's doing now i i did now they are way out there in strikeouts but so therefore i looked at well did we project them to be significantly worse in era and whip because looking Mm -hmm. for all right is there an underlying effect that says that says okay well maybe they're actually just pitching better all around. The thing that worries me is that we're not that far off on their ERA and WHIP. Specifically, if you look at Matt Boyd, our ERA and WHIP are within within spitting distance of where we projected them to be. 
Okay. <laughs> but the fact that his Ks are so far off, that makes me think that there's regression coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, second half regression, we think, on, on Matt Boyd. You calling it? <laughs> I am. Absolutely. I'm calling second half regression on Matt Boyd and Mike Clevenger. I mean, they're they're basically both the pitchers that we thought they would be from an ERA whip perspective. It's just they're really whiffing guys. And even if you account for the rise in strikeouts that we're seeing just league-wide this mm-hmm. year, that still can't explain it. <laughs> Matt Boyd is on pace for 278 Ks. Yeah. In 209 that- innings. With an ERA of 4.09 and a whip of 1.113. Those numbers do look right. Matt Boyd is great because he's a low whip pitcher, but he's a yeah, but, four right, ERA but, guy. But we projected that. That's yeah. where we projected. That's roughly close, where we projected right. him for ERA and whip. So the fact that he has all these Ks, I, I just, I'm, I'm worried about that. What number between 160 and 278 do you think he will fall on? I think I, I think he's got to be a two hundred strikeout guy. I mean, like two ten, let's say. Does he get to two hundred nine innings? Yeah, but I don't think he's more than a. Ah, uh, hmm, that's a good question. I don't think he's more than a K per nine guy. K per nine guy. I mean, a nine K per nine. Oh, guy. He, I think he is. You do really? Do. What was he last year? Do you have the numbers? Yeah, uh, last year he was uh, one hundred fifty nine Ks in one hundred seventy point one innings. So I know I think that he is that... in terms of the project as in in terms of like him aging correctly. I think this year he could end up at really close to a nine nine k per. Okay, that would I mean innings. I don't have this in front of me. I should look at these numbers, but that has to be a that would have to be a historically huge jump at this workload level to go from less than nine k's per nine to. What is he at? He must be at 12 Ks per night. <laughs> he is I mean, right now at, well, the on-pace number says it's 1.33 Ks, K in inning. Yeah, so 12. So right. it's 12 Ks per nine. Like, 11.97. <laughs> really high. Yeah. Like going from going from eight Ks per nine to twelve Ks per nine, that's like a fifty percent boost. That has to be a historically huge jump. Eight point four. Okay, so let's say, uh, yeah, can he can he stay above ten K per nine? I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to be proved wrong, but in the scheme of the MLB's history, that has to be a four sigma jump. <laughs> That is probably unlikely. No, I I just saying because there are de- there are definitely a lot of games that I watched where it was like last year where it was like he was cruising and then he was left in for an extra inning. And well, that's that's how he gets the ERA high, right? That's why how he keeps the ERA high. But it was because yeah. he has an ERA north of four, and we projected him to be even a little bit worse than that. Yeah. So, okay, so you're saying at the end of the season, you're going to say his on pace is 209 innings. What is it? Okay, what do you think his K per nine is going to be at the end of the season? I will give him 9.5 Ks per Holy nine. shit, that is going to be a uh, a regression. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say it's going to be 10, whoever's closer. Um, All right, whoever's closer. I guess part of my point here is just that this is not a failure of our projection system to forecast map board. No, I mean, that's what's it, it is going to happen. This 99%, you know, 99% of cases are going to be within X and Y, and uh, it's three sigma, right? 99% is three sigma. Yeah. So, you know, 1% does happen 1% of the time. No, it it absolutely does. And, you know, there's 300 pitchers, so, like, three guys should see uh, more than three sigma boost. But we have four right. We have six right now. So, I mean... Someone's gonna get who? Someone's gonna get back in line. At least two or three are gonna get back in line, right? So what do you expect? Yeah, no, I I accept that. I think that um, because our projections are based purely on historical data and historical trends, mm-hmm. they were never going to pick up on a Matt Boyd jump like this. No. Unless we baked in, unless we really dig down deep on the peripherals which we're currently not set up to do and i'm not even convinced that we would see it no no i i'm no and that's the whole reason why when you create your you should create everybody should in theory create their own projections that doesn't really happen but you should create your own projections and then you should be hand you know like 10 guys just be like i believe in this guy you know, this is the year that I think Raphael Devers is going to make it because I watched <laughs> him and because I believe in the sophomore slump and because of, you know, one extra thing. And then, but otherwise, largely, you're supposed to believe in the projections that you make. And then that's kind of what right. makes or and breaks a season, right? A lot of people's seasons is because they believe in the right, they believe in the right guys this year. It's like the guys who said this year is going to be Lucas Giolito's year. This year is going to be Edward, Eduardo Escobar's year. This year is going to be Rafael Devers' year. <laughs> Those people are making it. But that's what gets us into how do we possibly forecast capitchers going forward because we looked at the guys that we forecast as capitchers. They're fine. None of Basically, none of them are that offensive to be called a capitcher. Like, you're not going to discount our projections because of somebody that we forecast. But then we looked at the guys that are actually capitchers, and we find that some of the more interesting ones, we were quite far off. Some of the guys that you really would want because of their price point, you know, like Lucas Giolito or Shane Bieber. I mean, Caleb Smith, these are guys that now qualify as capitchers, and you would have bought them at a great premium. Right, so those guys... Yeah, not not many of or to any of them ended up in our projections as capitchers. No, no. I mean, hmm. yeah. I mean, we got Castillo and some level. Like we got. I mean, DeGrom, we got I think, was some the of these guys. We got you know we got Glass now in there. We we didn't get Bieber. We didn't get Walker Bueller even. Right. So if we think about this, the two lessons, and I'm thinking, I immediately thought about this question from one direction. You immediately thought about it from the other. I immediately thought about <laughs> it as um, how well did the capitchers that we, how well did players that we projected as having capitcher stats do ultimately? 
compared to you were thinking of like where did we how well did our projections do on the guys that are currently pitchers and i think you're right if we want to go back if we want to go back and try to bake this in the way that we 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 think about this is the guys that we predicted as pitchers for the most part are doing fine are doing well right yeah sure oh yeah we can't really use this to suss out the players who are going to end up having. We can't go use whatever it is that we've developed to um, grab or target capitchers who are going to end up doing what we're saying is capitching high K, super high K rates. I think that about brings us to the review session. Jesse Winker who I think we can say confidently should not be in center field, is on pace numbers. He's on pace for 470 at-bats, 21 home runs, 66 runs, 51 RBIs, good for a 255 average, and believe it or not, he is perfectly on pace for zero stolen bases. <laughs> it's just, just killing it on the stolen bases. Wow. Um, well... Number one, he's a guy that I feel like I had heard about. I've heard about for a couple of years now. I had never felt like looking up what he looked like. And I was disappointed. He looks like he shouldn't be that tall. Or I guess maybe I, I think that he should be playing hockey. Goonie. I'll just say it for you. Goonie. He's a slightly goonie. Oh, yeah. No, one of those guys that, like, is kind of goony on, like, regular, but if you get him on skates, he all of a sudden, yeah, Minnesotan telling someone that he should be playing hockey. That never happened. I stand by it in the case of Jesse Winker. He is dead last in outfield jump rate, meaning that when the ball is hit, he is the absolute slowest outfielder to respond as per the StatCast data. Wow. And that includes Max Kepler? Oh, yes. Oh, Wow. Wow. This just tells you that they really need Billy Hamilton to be able to field. Yeah, no, watching that outfield without Billy Hamilton was pretty disappointing. Watching Winker, though, these are the ultimate in replacement level stats. Oh, yeah. No, you should be able to pick this up anywhere. He is just one of many guys who's going to put up this stat line this year. And I just can't help but feel that he actually should be better. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been talked about so much over the last few years. Like, why why doesn't he do better? And he's really not that young. So I, I'm kind of inclined to think that it might actually be over for him. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's been talked about the last the last two years and hasn't done anything. He is. No, he's, yeah, he is. He's 25. Well, I mean, he could still turn around, I guess. But he hasn't. He does not showing anything this year. I have an existential question though, which is why would you ever bat a two fifty five hitter leadoff? And well he's he bat on base of three forty, that's better than Billy Hamilton was. Yeah, but he doesn't steal. So yeah, I know. putting him it's... ahead of Joey Votto just just does not make any sense. Right. Absolutely agree. No, watching Jesse Winker, I was very disappointed. He also has some stand like a kind of like JBJ stance. And I, I really can't even talk about it because I I have shares of Jesse Winker. I've been tracking him for years, and it's just so hard to see him not do anything with everyone talking about him. I understand that. 
I understand that. I am really upset. And then he'll he'll probably get dropped in the leadoff spot, and then his value will just completely evaporate. Yeah, no, it'll be gone. I can't understand that that um, four hundred seventy at bat pace in the leadoff spot. What is going on? It's very depressing. So why don't we turn to something not depressing for next week, and you can tell me what player we're going to review. Welcome to Oakland, bitch. Ramon Laureano. All right. To reference a Dave Chappelle uh, stand-up routine from 10 years ago? Yeah. 16 years ago? (laughs) Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yay!